our mission, helping people find and follow Jesus. We want you, we want us, we want everyone here to know that we are about helping people find and follow Jesus. But before I get into our message or the message that I feel God has placed in here, I want to recap a little bit of where we've been with Pastor John the last three weeks. This series has been called Because of Bethlehem. And looking at some of the circumstances and some of the things that have come out of Bethlehem. Three weeks ago, it was titled, God has come to earth out of Isaiah 9, 6 and 7, the foretold Christ being born. Okay, we're actually going to touch on that verse for just a second today as well. Two weeks ago, God has appeared, looking at Titus. And Titus chapter 2 on how even the New Testament recognized that Jesus Christ was here. And then last week, uh, Christmas Day, Luke 2. A very familiar passage that hope has arrived. Looking at the actual birth of Jesus Christ. And then next week, looking at um, Pastor John will be back and he'll be given what is called a gift that has been given. Okay, that's where he's going next week. And so... As I was looking at this, this kind of really isn't part four. It's really a part 3.5, if you will, in the midst of the sermon series because of Bethlehem. Because I think today I want us to look at a part that maybe is overlooked. Maybe is, maybe kind of brushed off to the side. That isn't a huge part of the Christmas story, but I think it does add a whole lot of meaning to it if we add Part, this part into it. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 2, not Luke 2, but Matthew chapter 2, um, entitled We Follow the King. And it's kind of a little play on words a little bit because we're going to look at the wise men as they went to a king to follow the king and dig into the wise men's story, a little bit about their background, a little bit about who they are, um, and why a lot of times they feel, or I feel, that they are overlooked. Okay, unlike the shepherds, the wise men's story doesn't happen the same day. I don't know if I burst your bubble or not. Maybe if you haven't heard that or maybe you've gotten caught up in Christmas hype and stores and they have this wonderful nativity scene on the shelf and there's the shepherds and the animals and Mary and Joseph and the wise men. Okay, there was no wise men at the manger. At least not the astrologers that we think of when we say wise men. I would imagine that Mary, excuse me, that Joseph was a very wise man. But the wise men, the astrologers that we're going to look at today, they weren't there. They come a bit later. They don't get their own memorable tale like we retell every single year from Luke 2 and Mary and Joseph and the angel Gabriel and the angels, the heavenly hosts singing to the shepherds, right? The, the wise guys don't quite get that. They don't get that memorable tale. But if you think of memorable tales though, we're only one week after Christmas. Seven days. I don't know about you, but it seems like it's been a whole lot longer than that. We spend weeks, we spend months looking at Christmas coming. It's on the calendar. We got family stuff. We got food to prepare. We even have gifts to buy, right? We, we spend all this time and it's finally here. And then one week goes by and go, Christmas was just last week? <laughs> really? Right? That memory has already kind of come and gone, and yet we look forward, we look to it for so long. It seems like when we have gatherings or times together, that there's really kind of three, three groups of memories, if you will, that come together. You have the good memories, you know, the ones that you cherish, the ones that you make as a family. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, for me, Christmas memories, good ones, was my grandpa. 
Um, he's gone to be the Lord by now, but he, when he sat down at the, the big family table, I mean, there was like 20 of us, 25 of us around this big, long oval table in their house. And we'd all sit down around the table and there he would sit, he'd pull open his Bible. And then in this deep, gruff, low voice, he began in the day, Caesar Augustus issued a decree and just, he bellowed out the whole Christmas story. And then from there, he transitioned right from the Luke 2 story into praying for us and praying for the, for the meal and for the Christmas to be played out. And I'll never forget that memory, but that was a good memory for me. But then there's times where we have the opposite. Sometimes holidays, sometimes family gatherings bring about bad memories, struggles, hardships, some from even death to even, for me, it was just mobility, getting around on crutches or a cast or in a walking boot and not being able to go up and down the stairs with the kids and grabbing stuff and helping Heather with a newborn baby. That was me when Chloe was born, okay? Those were not the greatest of memories on getting around for Christmas, but we still made it work. But then you have those memories that are legendary. Those ones that, you remember that one time? And everybody knows exactly the story about Christmas that you're talking about. For our family, it was actually back when Heather was pregnant with Kyston. Actually, it was the week after Christmas. We found out Christmas Day that we waited to find out. We thought Heather may be pregnant, but waited till Christmas Day, found out she was. And then within a few days to that week, that one time when the heater went out in the house and we couldn't get a guy in for the four days before they could actually fix the heater in the house. And it wasn't fixed. It was a full-on replace because it was put in the house in like the late 60s, right? And she was sick. <laughs> she was throwing up. And all these things, one right after another, from Chris, shortly after Christmas all the way into the new year, until they were able to come into the new year and put that in there. The small blessing in all of that is that we had some good friends of ours that were actually going away on vacation that had a dog or two at home and said, hey, would you come house sit for us? And we were able to go actually stay at their house into December, in January, like zero, five above, not the 40 below that we had a couple weeks ago, but it was still chilly for a pregnant mom and being sick and heater going out and you just start piling on all of the stuff. Those legendary memories. I think this story that we're, we're going to read and this video clip I'm going to show is one of those moments. Okay, So maybe you might not relate to some of those. Maybe you might relate to this, this family gathering. Maybe you've even seen the movie. Maybe you haven't. Before we begin, since this is Aunt Bethany's 80th Christmas, I think she should lead us in the saying of grace. Oh, great. Oh. 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 What, dear? Grace! Grace! She passed away 30 years ago. They want you to say grace. The blessing! Allegiance to the flag of the United States of America 
and to the republic for which it stands. One nation, and with liberty and justice for all. Amen. 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 <sighs> Catherine, this turkey tastes half as good as it looks. I think we're all in for a very big treat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Save the neck for me, Clark. <laughs> okay, Eddie. I told you we put it in too early. Oh, it's just a little dry. It's fine. I told you. Remember that one day when the turkey was a little dry? Those memories around the table, maybe they're maybe not quite as extreme as, you know, something like that. But we have those things that just hold on from year to year to year. And I think today's story as we get into Matthew chapter 2, that the people of Bethlehem, excuse me, Jerusalem, for a long time, or you remember that night when the wise men show up? Remember that time when they were in Bethlehem, that, that night that Jesus was born, that show, star showed up? And they had this moment, we're living proof, the scripture of living proof, that it was a legendary memory that carried on, that transcended time. And we know what they're talking about. So read with me. As we go through Matthew chapter 2, the first 16 verses of that chapter about these guys. It says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About some time, about the same time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when we heard this, as was everyone else in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come for you who will be the shepherd for all my people, Israel." Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men and learned from them the time that the star had first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I too can go worship him. After this interview with the wise men, they went their way and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. And it went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave them gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by one or by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. He said, get up. Flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. And the angel said, stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for the child and kill him. So that night, 
Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken about through the prophet and saying, I will call my son out of Egypt. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all of the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based upon the wise men's report of the first or the star's first appearance. That's the story of the wise men. That when we look at who they are, we typically think there were three of them that showed up. Three guys, three camels, carrying three gifts to show up. And we don't know that. There could have been. Could have been one, unrealistic. But more than likely, a bunch. A handful, more than three. Five to twelve. Because of the gifts, the gold, the frankincense, the myrrh, are expensive commodities. So for three people to afford them to give them as gifts, it's possible. But more than likely, there, there was more. Okay? But again, also think of Mary and Joseph too. Okay? Having these men come to their home, to their house that they came in. Okay? Think about that for a second. We get from here that they did not come to the stable that was behind or off to the side. Maybe even a cave as some, some suggest. Because there was no room for them in the inn. Okay, with the manger. This, this, is, this is Mary and Joseph have now taken residency up in Bethlehem. Remember, they came a ways away to go to Bethlehem for a census. They were just going to travel there. Sign their name down. They're going to let the, king, uh, the ruler of the area know, hey, we're here. Stay for a little while and then go back home. We are now somewhere between 6 to 12, 18 months down the road. They're still there in Bethlehem. They're still staying. They have made residence there. They have their own house. We even get a denotation that it's no longer the baby Jesus, but the child. That he's older, that he is now outside of that baby range and into this infant or this child range that is in this home. We also see that we know that the absolute soonest, if you look into some of uh, the Jewish law and history, the absolute soonest they could show up is 42 days. It's weird that you can be that specific, but when you look back in Leviticus chapter 12, you actually find out some of the purity laws for a woman who had given birth. And we know that there was eight days that they had to wait for Jesus to be circumcised. And then we're also told that there's 33 days that she had to wait because she was considered unclean. She couldn't go. She couldn't touch. She couldn't be around anybody. So there's your 41 days. So the soonest they can show up is 42 days. But we know that, they were, that baby Jesus was older than that. But we can see those details when we look at this story that maybe we can gloss over. And yet God put these little tiny details in this story to tie in even older Old Testament law into what Mary and Joseph were going through. We also can see in the midst of there too, that the offering, like if you look into Luke 2, that they actually give an offering at the temple. Okay, It showed that they were poor. 
show that they had, you know, in our minds, knowing that they had traveled, they didn't have much of a job as far as earning income. They didn't have a whole lot of stuff. So their offering was of a peasant or a poor person's offering there at the temple instead of out of the gold, the incense, the, uh, the frankincense, the myrrh that they were given. They didn't have that stuff to give. They had to find something else. What were these guys' purpose? I mean, why do we get this story? Matter of fact, if you actually look in all of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Matthew's the only one that actually tells of the story. So why did Matthew, a tax collector, feel that it was important to mention these? Why was it important for him to bring out, hey, there's this group of guys that came and visited Mary and Joseph later on after Jesus was born. He was already uh, maybe a year old, walking around the house, right? Why did they show up? Well, we get that from uh, Matthew 2.11. They brought gifts. Why? To worship him. To worship God. They traveled a long distance to try and find God. Simply put, to worship him. They, as wise guys, or we three kings of Orient are, if you remember the song, right? Those kings went to follow the king. They went to recognize God as the king. We have to realize that all of this matters because it wasn't just about a census that got Mary and Joseph there. It was about them to take up residency in Bethlehem for these guys to come and stir up a little bit of trouble with King Herod and to worship the king. It was, a, it was what they were maybe considered a midterm inconvenience of having to travel and be away from home for a little while to a long-term lifestyle change and a new baby boy and end up going down to Egypt as a refugee. I mean, they had their life turned upside down because they said, I trust God. Which really kind of leads us to our first principle for today. That God's timing is always right. Now, I'm sure that if you were to ask Mary and Joseph, was that the right timing? I would say, no. If you asked the wise men, was this the right timing to bring us in travel? They'd probably say no. Right? Or if we were to actually jump back, I want us to touch on another story um, here. But let me reread re- read verses 1 and 2. It says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea. During the reign in King Herod, about the time some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Okay, That's their premise. That's why they're there. That's God's timing for them. Right? Why? I want us to jump back into a story that I don't recall us touching another part of the Christmas story that adds to this idea that this was the right time for the wise men to show up. We're going to get to Mary and Joseph's time in here in a second, but I want us to back up to a guy named Zechariah. And I have up there verses 5 through 20, 20. I'm not going to read all of them. There's just about five verses in the midst of that whole story that I think gives us a complete picture of it with a couple of verses missing. So if you want to read the whole, whole section about it, you can. It says, when Herod was king of Judah, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. So this is the same king, the same time frame of what these wise men were coming into. Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth, they had no children. They were unable to conceive and they were both very old. 
While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. And the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure that this will happen? I'm an old man now. My wife is also well along in years. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will, be cer- will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Zechariah, as a priest. Now, if we know just a little bit about him briefly, his role as being the priest, the one that go into the, the, the temple, according to their tradition, was by chance or by casting lots. Okay, that, that's how they got to be chosen. There was a group of qualified guys that they would cast lots or roll dice or pick straws or however you want to call it on who gets to be the priest, who gets to be the one to go in there and give that. Do you think Zechariah was by chance the one that went in there on that day? That was God's timing. God's providence. God said, all right, you are the one that I want in there. And when he went in, This angel Gabriel gave him an amazing message. A message about his wife and him who are well advanced in years. Okay. They point out it's not that they didn't have children. They didn't. Right. And that they were old. It was a combination of both of those things. In that culture, if you were old and didn't have children, there was something wrong with you. Or you did something wrong against God, which God is causing this to happen to you. Okay, I don't think really either one of those cases are true here for these guys. I think it's, again, God's timing to use them for the Christmas story. Okay, Elizabeth, if we read more into, into Luke, Elizabeth is Mary's sister. Okay, Mary and Elizabeth, they actually end up going and visiting each other while they're both pregnant. So their children, John, we know him better later on as John the Baptist. He goes on. He's the one that comes out of the wilderness. And he's wearing uh, or eating locust and honey and rough clothing. And he's preparing the way for Christ. And he ends up baptizing Christ, his cousin. Right? That's who Elizabeth is. Zechariah is the priest. Okay? These are all God's timing. Putting all these pieces together. And we go, yeah, it just all happened by chance. No, I don't, I don't think so. Um, we, we see that Zechariah's response to the angel Gabriel is probably one that we would expect to say ourselves. <laughs> yeah, you realize how old I am? And I'm supposed to have what? I'm supposed to endure that for what? Nine months? Uh-uh, my time is gone. You, you have the wrong person. That was Zechariah's response. And what did Gabriel do? Gabriel said, hey, don't you, don't you get it? I am the angel. I stand in God's presence. I'm giving you a message and you don't believe me. Right? And Zechariah's response, even though it makes sense to us, he gave excuses about how old and how barren his wife was and how old he was. And as a result, he was silent from that point on to the time that John was born. Guessing close to a year that he was absolutely silent. Couldn't speak. Write, sign, tablet, however you want. Finger in the dirt. 
right? We don't have text messaging that we can send messages back and forth. Our, our thoughts work quickly. He was there and he doubted. He did not believe the angel's message. But yet, God's time for Zechariah to receive that message was spot on. John's birth, five mo- four months before Jesus, was spot on. The wise men coming to King Herod that night to ask, where is the Messiah to be born? And they sought out Bethlehem. I was only six miles away from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. That was the right time. Let me just, let's jump back into Matthew 2. It says, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as everyone in Jerusalem. Okay, it wasn't just the King Herod that heard this, or just those wise, or his council that heard this. The whole town in Jerusalem was buzzing about, what, the Messiah is being born? This is news that had been passed along from century to century, that someday the Messiah is going to be born. This was big news. So he called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law and asked, where is the Messiah to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea. They said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for all my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men. And he learned from them the time <coughs> excuse me, when the first star appeared. And then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back to me so that I too can go and worship him. God had set up this divine appointment for the wise men to show up, talk to King Herod. Do you think King Herod really wanted to worship him as a king? What's one king think of another king? I don't trust you. Even as allies, uh-uh, I really don't trust you. Yeah, I say you, we do, but we really don't trust you, trust each other. So when he wants to find this other king, it really isn't out of worship. He's threatened, especially when it's right in his own backyard. Six miles away. Wait a minute. This king, king of the Jews, you're telling me is right here, right? We get this message from Isaiah. It says, for a child is born, a son is given. The government will rest on his shoulders. He'll be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Right? These things are right there resonating. These are the things that these guys that are advising King Herod, this is what their information that they're giving. Isaiah 9, 6, or how about Micah 5, 2? But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, are only a small village among the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel whose origins are in the distant past will come from you on my behalf. I mean, these are Old Testament scriptures that they are familiar with, that they have been studying and knowing, and this is all of a sudden coming to fruition from a thousand years of being written down to now all of a sudden it's happening. It's going to happen. Or even how about Isaiah 11, 1 through 2. It says, out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. And the spirit of counsel and might. And the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. All of those Old Testament passages foretelling prophecy of what's coming ahead. All for God's timing. Knowing that it's always All of those little bits and pieces are coming together with Zechariah, 
with 3,000 years of Israel history looking forward to when is Christ the Messiah coming. Of course, they didn't have the name Christ. They knew Messiah, the Messiah. They, they thought of this physical Savior that was going to come and, and, and abolish them and, and to free them and to take, out, take away the king of other rulers. And, and they had the picture wrong, right? It was about their relationship with God, their, their spiritual freedom. Their ability as people to choose to follow God out of faith, to live for him, right? It was God's time that this Messiah was to show up. That they had promised, that God through other prophets had promised, this Messiah will come. But God didn't give it to Isaiah or Israel the exact date. He didn't say December 25th, 2023. That's when Christ is going to come. We got 12 and a half, almost full 12 months. Or excuse me, 11 and a half, almost 12 full months before Christ come. No, they didn't have that. Year after year after year that went by, they realized it wasn't their timing on when this Messiah was going to show up. It was in God's time. And it took over 3,000 years before it came true. So that was one side of the story. Now let's look at the next part of it. In six months, in Luke chapter 1. Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, a virgin named Mary. And she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. This is part of our familiar Christmas story, right? But check this out. That Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give birth to the throne of his ancestors, David. And he will reign over the Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And then here's Mary's question. How can this happen? I am a virgin. Wait, what was Zechariah's response? How could this ever happen? There was only one word difference between the two responses. And her response was, I'm a virgin. His response, yeah, we're too old, we're barren, we're, hers was curiosity. How is this, and, and, and go, okay, you're telling me this, but how is this going to happen? Motive, right? Thinking, the, the mindset behind it. Hers is, all right, you're going to make it happen, but I'm not sure how. Zechariah was like, yeah, it ain't going to happen. Not me, you got the wrong couple, but okay, Right? Very similar responses, but what does it come down to? It was God's time. It was God's time. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby will be born, will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she was conceived a son and is now in her, uh, is six months along. For the word of God will never fail. And Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Mary recognized that this was her time. That it was God's time for her. Zechariah didn't realize it at first. But very quickly, it came to come to be. and said, wait a minute. This is God's time. For the wise men... They saw the time coming. They saw the star. They had the whole journey to get to wherever that star was at. 
but not realizing the impact of what that timing was going to look like, what it was going to actually be. I mean, when we look at the story, verses 9 and 11, after the interview of the wise men went their way, the star had seen in the east, guided them to Bethlehem. They went ahead of them, stopped over the place where the child was, and when they saw the star, they were filled with joy, and they entered, these are the wise men, entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him the gifts of frankincense and myrrh. This was that moment for those wise men that they put the star, their roughly year-long travel, and their gifts all came together. That God's timing was, was put into place so that they can worship him, that they can be there with him. Again, as mentioned earlier, notice that we're in a house. We're not in the stable. We're not in a barn. We're not out in the back. We're in their house. And we're with a child. And they bow down and they worshiped. They give gift of gold. Gold is something that we a lot of times um, were, were given to kings. Right? Very expensive, precious metal. Even then, even to us today. Frankincense. It was, it was a... Um, an oil made from trees in Arabia that burned um, in the presence of the holies of holies, right? To, to give this pleasant fragrance. And then it also you have myrrh, that it was a gift for a mortal man or for an incense at burial, for a death. Which the first two kind of make sense, and then you add in myrrh. But we also have to remember the story doesn't stop here. Right? We have more to the story to come. And I'll get to that in a second. But we have these three gifts that recognize God, that Christ as God. God through, God through gold and kingship. God through frankincense and what you burn, um, uh, excuse me, as oil to be able to um, uh, recognize in the presence and the, and the fragrance of a king. And then also myrrh in the burial of a king. Recognizing God and through all three of those gifts. Right? So when we start then reading the rest of their story, right, or, or we get our, our, our typical Christmas story in Luke 2, that starts putting these pieces together. And it says that this Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, right? We've already been reading about Bethlehem even with Zechariah and with um, King Herod and the wise men stories. And now we get it with Mary and Joseph, right, our, our, our typical one. The city of David, it was recognized that this will be your sign. Baby wrapped in cloths, uh, strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem, see this thing which had happened, which the Lord had told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in a manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds and everyone who had happened, uh, what, what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child, all who heard the shepherd's stories were astonished. I know that's a, a crunched down version of the shepherd's story. But again, God's timing for them was the night Christ was born. The timing for the, the, the wise men were approximately a year later in their house, again, to recognize Christ. And notice that here, everyone who had heard, right? People in the streets had heard about Christ, Messiah was born that night from the shepherds. What about... The wise men, where did we, we got that in the first verse when they came to King Herod, right? Everyone in Jerusalem was buzzing about the same news. I wonder if it's something to do with the shepherds. I don't know. 
But all of these pieces about God's timing. That as much as the shepherds didn't have a glamorous job. They were still appointed a time to come and worship. The wise kings. The wise men. They were appointed a time to come and worship. Mary and Joseph were given points of time. Through the angels visiting them. As a point of worship. Right? We have these things. And here's the biggest thing that I can bring us to us about God's timing. It comes from Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all that you do and he will show you which path to take. We don't understand or don't see the whole picture. When we start getting bits and pieces of, of scripture passed down, we start seeing a bigger picture. But in the end, God's timing is always right whether we see it or not. Whether those guys in that story, or even Mary, saw it, it was God's timing. God brought all those pieces together. And when this timing's right, it brings us to principle two. That God is always ready to rescue. He is always ready to rescue. So if we look at the rest of Matthew 2, the last four verses that we read this morning. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. And after the wise men were gone, an angel Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream too. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. And the angel said, stay there until I tell you to return. Because Herod is going to search for the child and to kill him. We have such a strong... Oh, I got one more part. That, um, that night he left for uh, Egypt with a child and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken and said, I will call my son out of Egypt. And Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men were outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under. And based upon the wineman's report of the first star's appearance, of the star's first appearance. God used a dream to rescue the wise men. To rescue Mary and Joseph. To rescue, if you will, Jesus. Although I don't think Jesus really needed the rescuing. But yet God had his point in time to say, I will rescue you. I know what's going to happen. I know that if you stay there and the king's going to be outwitted, he is going to come and kill you. That's why we have this window that we know that the wise men came. Because again, we didn't have instant history in the making of video chats and, and, and phones to be able to just record what's going on in other parts of the world and send it back within minutes. We have live action coverage of what's going on 15,000 miles away. We don't have that, right? It takes time for word to travel. So even though King Herod said, all right, kill all the babies that are two years old and younger, you have to think that he found out about the news that the wise men had left before and allowing time for those executioners to go out into the town to find these babies, it kind of backs up and says, hey, wait a minute. God had this plan. He had this timing. He had this rescue plan that, hey, king's going to come after you. So I want you guys to go off to Egypt. And then we get that one little quote from the Old Testament that says, I will call my son up out out of Egypt. They are now refugees in a different country for their safety. They stay there for a couple years, more than likely, and come back. And they reside in now a town that we know of called Nazareth. Right? We get all these pieces coming together. Why? Because these people decided that they were ready to follow the king. 
that God was ready for the rescue. That he wanted each, every one of those people in that story to be able to go on. Now, what the wise men did after they got rescued and they went back home, wherever they came from, that Orient land that we sing about, we don't know. Other than they had to talk about what happened that night. They had to share it. Mary and Joseph, as they, as they went, and they went on their route. Again, they were going up to Bethlehem for a census. To check in. We're here. There's two of us. Maybe three. Depending on how long we're here. Right? And we're heading home. Now we're talking four to five years later before they actually come back to their, their hometown area. Their region. That's a major, major change. And yet, Mary and Joseph said, all right, God, I will trust you. I don't see your timing. I don't see your grand scheme in the whole picture, but I will trust you. I will follow you. I will be there for you. The wise men, the same thing. The shepherds, the same thing. So in the end, when we choose to follow the king... That we hear the Christmas story and sometimes we gloss over the details. But there's one detail I want us not to forget. Not to overlook. That this isn't the end of the story. That Christ's birth isn't the end of the story. Matter of fact, we have Easter that comes up in a few months for us, our celebration. Right? His death, his resurrection, his payment of forgiveness of sins. Right? But guess what? That's not the end of the story either. Even though that's a much glorious, bigger scheme in the plan of of saving humanity, that's still not the end of the story. We have to look to Revelation for that. And we see that God's coming back. That he's setting up his second kingdom. A new kingdom right here on earth for all his people. But it's the people that follow him. The one that placed their faith in God. They're the ones that are going to be rescued. We're the ones that need to spread that news to tell others. We need to be a part of God's timing to spread that out to other people. That those that place their faith in Christ are the ones that get rescued. They're the ones that get to see the other side, the good side, God's side of the end of the story. For those that don't have a relationship with Christ, they're eternally in hell. Right? The Bible makes it perfectly clear on it is. On the direction that we have two choices, either hell or heaven. Either we don't accept Christ or we do accept Christ. We follow him or we don't. And that's our decision. Maybe, maybe you here today have already given your life to Christ. But maybe there's someone in our community that, that you're around that hasn't. And remember the Bible is not about perfect people. Right? It's not about perfect people. It's about people who trusted God to rescue them in their circumstances. And maybe as we come to a time of invitation, as we come to a time to be able to give our life to Christ, and maybe it's a first-time decision. But maybe it's something that you just need to come and be rescued from your sin. And you need someone to pray with you. Maybe it's something, someone in a challenging situation. Maybe it's enemies. But for these individuals, they had a trust. They had a relationship with God that drove them, that they followed the king wherever it took them. I want you to pray with me and I want to lead you in a prayer that maybe you haven't given your life to Christ. That it can be something as simple as this. God, I trust you. I don't see your whole story. I don't see your timing. I don't see the big picture. 
But God, I trust you. I place my faith in you. Lead my life. Amen.